Okay, let's go ahead and get started. So this is the last class uh, of this kind of membership, getting reacquainted with CBC series. This last class is dealing uh, specifically with what we expect of church members. Uh, kind of last week with Nick. I haven't heard the recording. It's not online yet. Who was here for Nick's class? So last week, Nick kind of covered what uh, what we will do for you, right? Sounds like a famous line I've heard somewhere. <laughs> this, this, this week is what you can do for us. Um, so we're going to kind of be talking about service in the church, but I want to start off with a discussion question to kind of help. It, it maybe immediately doesn't sound like it applies to service in the church, but I, I think it does, and I think it maybe is a struggle uh, kind of address the struggle that some of us have with service in a church like ours. So the question is this. We, we believe, as we've kind of gone through this series, uh, just to kind of button it up, well, we believe in the five solas, right? Who, who can rattle off the five solas? Maybe in, even in a sentence. We'll say, we'll say that we're... Sola oh, Scriptura... Perfect. So in a sentence, we would, and, and kind of taking the Latin out of it, we would say that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. So we believe in all these alones, and we say that you are, because it is finished, there's nothing left for you to do. So why then don't we live the Christian life alone? We believe in all these alones. Why don't we live the Christian life alone? We're still sinners. We still fail. We still need others to help guide us and direct us and encourage us. Very good. <coughs> Jeremy, what was the response? We're all sinners. And we need one another to, to guide and encourage us for the edification of the saints, right? We weren't really saved to be alone. We were saved to be a part of something. We're, not, we're, we're baptized into the body of Christ. So we're, we're not alone. We're not meant to be a lone thing, but rather a part of something. Very good. So we, we are saved... <clears throat> We were not saved to be alone. We were actually saved to be part of something, saved to be part of the body of Christ, united to Christ in his body. If uh, we're made in the image and likeness of God, God eternally was in community and has been in community and always will be in community, the three in one, unity. Um, there's a diversity there. Fellowship 
restored to being able to walk in the cool of the day with God. We talk about that vertical relationship, which then has horizontal implications, right? Uh, where our, our fellowship with God is restored. And that naturally, if you look at the moral law, the Ten Commandments, there's, there's four that deal specifically with our relationship with God and six that deal with our relationship with one another. So there is this kind of implicit uh, relationship, relationship that's important both vertically and horizontally with one another. Well, when God created man, he didn't create just Adam and leave it at that. He said it's not good for man to be alone mm-hmm. and created another being to have a relationship. Yeah. It's very important to see that as creation takes place, it's not until both there's man and woman that God says it is very good. Excellent. So as we think and kind of tie all those things together, why would it then be important for us to serve in the church? To not come as someone who basic, who is a consumer, who is only here to receive but someone who actually gives, someone who uh, takes part in in the service of the church. That's why he gave gifts for us to be able to minister to one another in the body. So, are you going to use them if you're not if you're not gathering together? How how do you minister to each other? Um, and I know we can out in the as we are scattered, but you don't know it when you're scattered if you're not coming together to where you're made aware of needs and ways to serve. So we'll, we'll see that, and we, that's something where Paul talks a lot about the gifts that God has given us, and you know, what's, what's the whole, what's the point of a gift, Paul will even say, if it doesn't edify anybody. Right. Danny, what were you going to say? I was going to say, though, we'll never do it perfectly, um, service to one another is a way that we can grow in Christ likeness because Christ made the ultimate sacrifice for us. He's a sacrificial being. Part of his plan was to sacrifice himself. So again, there's a lot of weird pressure and mandates we put around that that aren't healthy, but just that just now that we are transformed beings, transformed creatures who are to grow in being like Christ, one of the things that Christ did was sacrifice. And so that's a way that we can, that's something we can do practically within the church is to sacrifice either our time or our resources or our gifts or whatever for, for the sake of and in service of other people. Yeah. And so often in scripture, we, when we're given that imperative, that command to humble ourselves, to serve one another, it's immediately followed up with, because Christ did that. Christ did this for you. And there's that natural implication that we then turn around and get to do the same thing for one another. Where we, that's, it's an important word. It, it's not that we have to do these things for one another. It's that we get to. We yeah. get to. And part of our salvation is designed for us to do that. We, we sometimes think, Danny and I had a conversation a couple weeks ago, we sometimes get so focused in on our justification that we forget all the other gifts that Christ has secured for us in salvation. He has secured for us our sanctification as well. Sanctification isn't a 
Oh, and there's also sanctification. No. It is part of the entirety of our salvation that we get to enjoy, that they are all grace in our lives. Uh, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, when it talks about justification and adoption, says they are, they are uh, gifts of grace. And when it talks about sanctification, it says sanctification is a work of grace. It is all, it's all gr- graciously bestowed upon us. But there is, we can expect as believers, Christ, through the power of his Holy Spirit, to work in us the, uh, his salvation. So then, Jeremy, yeah. also, um, the picture just came to me of, I think his name is Logistic. I, I can't say his name, but he's without arms and legs, and he has a flipper, he says. I'm sure you've seen him on YouTube. But when I saw him, it made me think about how Christ said, the church is his body. He's the head. The church is his body. And how the body does serve one another. Well, as long as we are all together, we don't think about it too much. Unless you hurt your little toe and then you know how your hand hurts too. So, But when you look at him, and I, I just marveled at how he can still do things that I wouldn't think he could be able to do. But that is exactly... I believe what Christ is saying that whenever there's a part of us that's weaker or just absolutely not there or not working anymore you know um, that the rest of the body will take up and, and yeah. I, I just it's such a beautiful picture I think of what the church is yeah I'm going to read a passage that goes along with that and we'll talk a little bit about that um, so keep that keep those thoughts in mind uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I'm gonna, I want to read the first 16 verses. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. You can't, you can't read Paul and think that we are saved into nothing. 
Like, okay. You just kind of have that, the um, almost fatalistic approach that maybe some hyper Cal you might think of a hyper Calvinist or something like that. Okay, I'm saved, all done, we're good to go. Paul never, Paul never talks about the Christian life as just being, eh, it's all done, don't worry about it. Just do what you want. No, Paul drives us to growth in Christ, and the instrument that he uses for that is specifically the church, one another, the body. He, as you alluded to earlier, the Paul's Paul's analogy of the body in 1 Corinthians twelve. Yeah, you know, he talks about the kind of belittling that we might have of, oh, you know, that little pinky toe down there, whatever. It's that's not important. What's important is, you know, the, the shoulder. I think I'm a shoulder. I, I kind of hold things together, and you know, the strength comes from the shoulder. And that's not how the body, uh, Paul, the analogy that Paul gives us of the body. That's not how we're supposed to work. It's actually we're supposed to care for the the lower parts. The the, the what seems to be the more humble parts, actually the parts that should have the the most. Uh, Esteem given to it, the most uh, we should be looking to them. So we have this discussion of the body, and as you were talking about earlier, if we view the body as this kind of working organism that God has put together, that we are building one another up, that really should change the way that we view service in the church. It should really change the way that we walk into the doors of the church on a Sunday morning. Because how, how could we walk into the doors on Sunday morning thinking, I am here for me. I am here to get without concern for how I can give to others. That's not how the body of Christ is. The body of Christ, I, it, it's, as we, I don't know what Nick covered last week, but it's kind of both and. You are here to get. We are here to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to you and him crucified and to encourage your souls. But the natural outflowing of that then is, well, how can I turn to my brother and sister in the Lord or to the person who's not my brother and sister, who's not saved, and not show that, that care and compassion to turn and encourage them in, in various ways of service. Thinking about the, the body again, it's, if, we, if we treated the body of Christ the way we treat our own body, can you imagine what the church would look like? My little toe, if my little toe starts hurting and I'm trying to get my morning jog in, Man, I'm going to do whatever I can to figure out how to secure that thing, tape it up, make it, make it comfortable where it can work well and not, not cause me pain. But how often in the church do we allow members of our body to sink down in pain? You're like, eh, it doesn't really affect me that much because I don't feel it. It'd be a wonderful thing, and I'm guilty of this myself. It'd be such a wonderful thing if we could better 
see just how the body works, the body of Christ works together and truly uh, be seeking to edify, to encourage, to serve one another. So with that, with that in mind, let me pray, and then we're going to talk about a, a few things that I came up with uh, for service in the church. Father, I uh, just pray this uh, morning that as we, we look at this topic of service in the church, that you would help us to be encouraged in you, help us to uh, find the thought of serving others not something that is a burden uh, and something that we have to do, but help us to view, uh, view service in the church as a joy, as something that we get to do, uh, as the manifestation of uh, your, your love through us, the humility of Christ outpouring through us as we get to uh, put the towel around us and wash one another's feet, as it were. Help us uh, just to come away uh, from this lesson this morning uh, not only desiring to serve, but desiring to serve just out of uh, complete uh, humility and um, thankfulness for what you have done for us and the amazing ways that you serve us. And just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, again, I just want to go through four things that came to mind as I thought about service in the church. It's not an exhaustive list. I'm sure you can come up with some very good ones as well. Uh, but the first one I want to talk about as we think about kind of expectations that we have of a church member. Uh, the first thing is we expect you to make attendance a priority. We expect you to make attendance a priority. Why would we expect you to make attendance a priority? Well, let me read Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting with verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It's kind of the same picture that we've been talking about already. We, Paul start, starts off talking about what uh, who we are in Christ, talking about this bold uh, entrance that we have into the throne room, the confidence that we can have before God. And then he just naturally flows into, so let's consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Don't neglect gathering together. This is what, uh, this is what the church kind of in history is called the, the ordinary means of grace. And this is why it's so important for us that you attend, that you make, make church a priority. Now, there's different seasons in life that people have. Kevin, you, ha you had a, a season of your life where your job required you to work on Sundays. You came as faithfully as you could on Sunday mornings to Sunday school. Uh, and now that you're retired, you're here, here. which is wonderful. <laughs> it's, so, it's so good to have you. Uh, Peter, 
your job for a while kept you away from uh, on Sundays. Praise the Lord, your schedule has now changed. You have a, a more uh, a better better slot, and you can now be here. So we understand that there are things that can keep us out uh, of of the fellowship, but we want you to make it a priority because God has given us ordinary means. This doesn't mean that these these things that I'm about to list are the only means that God uses to to strengthen our faith, to build us up in his grace. But these are the main ways that God has given us to be strengthened. The ordinary means of grace. These are preaching, prayer, the sacraments, baptism and communion, and some people would add in their church discipline. Probably could be, be a, a good argument for that. So preaching, prayer, baptism, communion, and church discipline is what I kind of want to talk about right here uh, briefly. These are, the, these are the ways that God has gifted the church for the building up of the body. You can certainly be encouraged uh, through uh, your personal Bible reading. We would not discourage anyone from reading your Bible privately. But there is a special, uh, there is a special blessing just that God has given us the means of the preaching of the word, where he has passed hit, hit the truth of his word down from uh, his apostles into the church the, that pastors and elders are meant to, to be guardians of this word and we're not meant to stand up on Sunday mornings and simply read the text of scripture but we are called to actually teach what scripture says so there is, there is a uh, special use in the preaching of the word uh, that happens for our spiritual nourishment and that grace can just continue to abound in our lives. Jeremy, I think it's important to remember, too, that, um, that the, the common folk didn't have a copy of Scripture in their hands until the advent of the printing press. And yeah. So until then, the only way they could hear Scripture was either orally or written down on tablets or written down in books that, that was shared either at church, in services, or with people that may have had a, a, a some copy uh, of scripture, but but it didn't get into the common vernacular until you know, 1500. And so it's only been in the past several hundred years that we've actually been able to have a copy of scripture for ourselves. Yeah. So it's like we we live you know, to kind of put it in the the biblical terms. We we have we have because we can all have multiple copies in our home. We're that much more without excuse, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a blessing to have, um, but yeah, that that's not how the church has always operated. Right. Um, so that pri that primary uh, kind of that or the ordinary means of the word that that uh, God uses to spiritually nourish us is the preaching of the word. That's of course a corporate setting. Uh, that should happen, obviously, you know, for a couple months back in 2020, that 
sadly couldn't be as much of a corporate reality. But for the most part, the ordinary way, the normative way that this should happen is with a group of believers. Prayer is another one. This is the, kind of the same thing where we, are, we should all be uh, privately praying. We should all kind of build that spiritual muscle. It's, it's a difficult thing to do. Some, uh, some are kind of more prayer warriors than others. I'm one of those people who, who struggles sometimes and I, I want to be able to pray better. But there's also something special that God has, God has made for us to be to, when we pray corporately with one another. Um, something that, uh, I don't know, whether, whether it's on a Sunday morning that, uh, that we pray as a congregation or maybe a small prayer group, for me, uh, those are oftentimes the, the richest time in prayer. The, the sacraments where we get to enjoy uh, baptism, whether it's our own baptism or seeing someone else be baptized and remembering our baptism, it's a time that we're built up. And then for us, every Sunday we get to take part in communion. And it is not just some ritual that we do for the sake of ritual. The reason we do it every Sunday is because we are confident that God has given that to us as a primary, ordinary means of him to uh, spiritually nourish us, to build us up in grace. Um, and church discipline. Church discipline. How as we were talking about earlier, how, when, as we're sinners in a congregation, how are we going to be built up if we don't have someone come along and say, Jeremy, what are you doing? Have you, have you realized that you are doing this? Have you realized that you are treating so-and-so like this? We are, we are called... Uh, to to go um, to one another. Gal uh, Galatians chapter 6 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in the spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to bear one another's burdens. Again, if we go, go back to Paul's analogy of the body, it's a just a great picture. We are, we are, we should be looking to see how we can be building up and bearing uh, with one another. Any thoughts about kind of those primary means of grace? The, and again, this boils down to the importance of making attendance a priority. Okay. Now, one of those, uh, I kind of brought this out into a second point. Uh, one of these is, I thought, not only do we, ex do we expect, we want you to make attendance a priority because we see that as the, as the primary way that God builds up his church, but we want you and we ask you to pray for the church. Uh, again, in Ephesians, read a very short passage here, Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says this, 
uh, as he's kind of talking about the armor of God, he says, take the helmet of salvation in verse 17 and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Sometimes we ask the question again, kind of, and I think our hyper-Calvinistic uh, tendencies, we ask the question, does prayer change things? I used to struggle with that. Now, yes, prayer changes things. And I have to speak from my own vantage point as a human who exists in time and space. I'm not, gonna, I'm not robbing God of anything because God who has determined the end also determined all the means. And prayer is one of the means he uses. And so Paul isn't afraid to say, pray for my ministry. Pray that I might speak boldly. He's not, this is the Apostle Paul who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he is not just throwing, throwing out these niceties. Yeah, pray for me that I can boldly preach. I'm going to preach boldly anyway. I'm Paul, you know. <laughs> but he, he wants, he, he says, no, I need your prayers that I might preach boldly because we can look, look elsewhere in Scripture, all this, the shipwrecks and the beatings and all these things that he's endured. Do you think Paul was scared? Yeah. yeah. He's probably a little nervous to go into a new town. Like, God, do I have to do this again? But he, so he is not afraid to write to the Ephesians and say, pray for me. That I would preach boldly. And he is confident that the prayer that the Ephesians would have on his behalf would change and give him the boldness that he wanted. When, when Paul writes it in um, the beginning of a lot of his letters, and he details the prayers that he has for, for the churches, again, he's not just li listing out some things that, you know, he, he thinks, well, God's going to do this anyway. He's like, no, I'm praying for these things. I expect God to do these things with you through the prayers. It's like, it's, part of it is as children coming to our Father, and this is how Christ taught us to pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven. We, we are coming to him in confidence that his perfect will will be accomplished, but we have confidence as children to ask. Now, we don't always ask for the things that we ought to be asking for. None of us probably ever ask for suffering, and yet we know God uses suffering to build us up. But we, we ought to be a people who are praying for one another, who are praying for the church. So th th this point, too, that we ask you to pray for the church, again, this, I need to be praying more for the church. I need to be praying more for you. But we, we want you to be praying for one another. We want you to be praying for the mission of the church, uh, that, that 
CBC and the, the church universal will be, continue to be built up and strengthened in the love of Christ, that we would be able to preach boldly, as Paul even asked of uh, the Ephesians, that we would, uh, just all, all the many ways that you can think of to pray for the church. We want you to pray for the church. We, we believe in the power of prayer, that God wants us to pray for him. We cannot be a people who are fatalistic in our thinking and just saying, yeah, you know, whatever. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. You know, whatever will be, will be. God's going to take care of it all. No. He wants us to come to him and pray. The, the third uh, point for service in the church is we ask you to serve the body. So we ask, you, we ask you to make attendance a priority. We ask you to pray for the church. And we ask you to serve the body. So what, what are some ways, thinking specifically of CBC, what are some ways that you can serve at CBC? Children's ministry. Children's ministry. That's like the big one, right? <laughs> it may, that's the big one because it pulls so many. We need so many we need more people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So children's ministry. So we don't need pastors. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you just put Damien up there. Whatever. Yeah. Well, and my fourth point is going to get into a little bit of that. Where I admit that I'm not special. What are some other ways you can serve the church? Making Audio. Coffee. Making coffee. Audio. Music. Music. group, college. Greeters. Greeters. Cleaning. What's that? Cleaning. Cleaning. Giving. Mm, yeah, giving. And giving kind of is all... In, in my mind, when we look at scripture and a lot of the admonitions and the instruction around giving... I think it's very proper to apply that to pretty much all areas of service. Because it's whether you're giving financially or giving of your time and, and energies, and that's, we're supposed to do it all joyfully, which we'll get to in a second here. There's a lot of ways that we can give, that we can serve in the church. Stephanie was just mentioning how you know, I know Stephanie faithfully visits Joe Howell, who can no longer come uh, to church. So there's there's a lot of ways we, we we can think we can make a list of all the people that it takes to kind of ha have a Sunday morning take place. And again, that's if there if there were a fire and the building burned down. We could still meet out here and do church. Without children's ministry, 
without student ministry, without college ministry, without coffee, without greeters. It's just like, hey, guys, we know this tornado ripped through and the neighborhood, you know, if you can come out, come out. We're not, you don't have to, you don't have to come serve because we know you're busy with other things. Church can just take place. I don't know though, Jeremy, without coffee. Without coffee. (laughs) (laughs) But yet, like, so Dave, like, kind of to David's point is we don't have to have all those things for church to take place. But they do help. Coffee helps, right? This is my first cup of coffee this morning. It's helped. Yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate it. it. It's funny that you mentioned that. So when we went to Nicaragua with the medical missions trip, some of these churches that we visited were literally just a brick building or not a stone building with some fold-up chairs or some plastic chairs. And the guy that had, I think they had the luxury of maybe being gifted a mic and two speakers. Mm. That was it. And we had church in the middle of an open, I mean, this one church we went to didn't even have a roof. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you think of everything that, well, I guess it's gone. David said um, about not having all of those items but still being able to have church. That really rings true because you need the body, you need the people, you need the spirit and the blessing of the Lord to do it. That's it. Yeah. And it's humbling to think what we have and how some other churches worship yeah and that doesn't at all lessen the service that you all give to the church absolutely right because it's clear that people really appreciate having some coffee on the sunday morning people appreciate having a smiling face to greet them and help direct them to where you if you're a visitor how have you ever visited a church and you walk in the front door and you're like I have no idea where I'm supposed to go right now. This is confusing. It's very helpful and re- a relief when someone sm- is sm- with a smiling face comes up and says, "Hey, are you new here? You have kids. How can I? You know, let, you, are they going to go to children's ministry this morning? Help you get checked in. Help you get sorted. This is where this is where the Sunday school classes are. It's a very helpful thing. Children." Uh, without children's ministry volunteers, most of us, this room would be filled with a lot of, a lot of ki- uh, screaming kids, right? Yeah. So like sitting in here as adults and being able to focus for, a, for 45 minutes is extremely helpful. And meanwhile, the kids would hear me and I'd be Charlie Brown's teacher to them if they were in here, <laughs> right? Wow. So they are, getting, they are getting more out of their classes and having someone who's talking at them, to them, at their level. And being able to teach them the good news of Jesus Christ at their level. So there's, there's so many things. And my, my main point, that was probably five minutes ago, was that if we listed all of the many volunteers that it takes on Sunday morning, that's still just kind of scratching the surface of what you all do. Because there's so many things that happen uh, behind the scenes that we don't even know about. Whether it's Stephanie visiting Joe or just one of you praying in the privacy of your own home for someone in the church or praying for the church. The little things that 
no one may ever know about. That does not mean it is any less important and valuable. God, and just going back to point number two, God uses prayer. God uses prayer. So that we don't uh, we don't look down on any of these things. There's so much that we can uh, do, but we, we do need you. We need we need you to serve the body in these various ways. Quickly to, to somewhat and yeah, we've got enough time to still finish on time. Second Corinthians chapter nine. I'm just going to walk through a few verses. This is the familiar familiar text about giving. Um, but Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We want you to serve joyfully. And as painful as it is as a pastor who sometimes just sees the black and white of we need X amount of bodies in these locations. I'm going to say it anyway. I don't ever want you to serve if you are not going to serve joyfully. We, we've talked about this all morning long now, that how service in the church is building up the body but if you are coming to it and just thinking, I hate this, I really don't want to run the slides, I really don't want to teach these children, and that happens, you know, we all have rough Sundays, but it, and I'm, th I'm speaking kind of more broadly, if you're like, I absolutely hate doing this, I don't want you to do that. Now, I might find ways to encourage you to no longer hate it so that you can learn how to do it joyfully because I think that's important, but I don't want you to do, kind of hate or view ministry in the church as a drudgery. We want you to serve joyfully. And we, as leaders, haven't always uh, provided an environment that um, can kind of really encourage volunteers to serve joyfully. Sometimes it's sometimes we can cause certain things to happen that might uh, make that more difficult. But we want you to serve uh, joyfully. We want you um, to to find uh, a cheerfulness, as as Paul says here. Second Corinthians, a cheerfulness, whether it's in your giving or your, your service, uh, this is what we want. Paul, uh, Paul would not want the Corinthians to give if they weren't able to give cheerfully. Verse 8, he says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So it's important to see there is God, God is working through you. you know, this, again, this as we kind of wonder, you know, what, uh, is there anything left for us to do? Should we do anything? Should we just sit with our hands under our lap? All this. 
This is, this is the beauty of the gospel and the mystery of the gospel is that not only is it proclaimed that there's no, no, uh, no longer any condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ, but then we can turn around, Paul can turn around and say, so flee from sexual immorality. Like, well, Paul, if there's no condemnation, why do I have to care? Paul says, everything. You think that because there's no longer condemnation that uh, you can go and just sin? Like, of, of course not. That's ridiculous. That's not what someone who is united to Christ would think. So in our service, we, we need to see that we are, we are being, uh, that is God working through us. And our service isn't uh, only, only to meet the needs of the church. Verses uh, 12 through 15, he says this. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Paul, Paul tells the Corinthians here, it's not just the gift. There's so much more than just the gift. Not only is it building you up to be able to supply the need of your brothers and sisters in the Lord, but it's building them up to see you give out of what God is giving you. So it's this, this beautiful picture, again, of building the body up. So our service is not something just to fill a need on Sunday mornings. There's so much more to it. Your service of your time is giving uh, to the body so it can be built up. Your service for, for a mother who maybe just needs a, a Sunday where she can sit and without distraction hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached to her. You are serving her by holding her child in the nursery. You are, and, and you know, I've heard fellow, I've heard different nursery workers who say, you know, one of the things I do when I go and serve in the nursery, I know I can't really teach these little, these babies anything, but when I hold them, I can pray for them. I can, I have a tangible, a person there who I can pray for. I can pray for their parents. I can pray for their siblings because it's easy because I'm holding this person right there. There's so many ways. It, it is, so it is not just service. It is not simply filling a need, putting a body in that void, but it is so much more than that. It is, if we think back to how we started this lesson, building up the body, it is all building up the body. In the last few minutes here, um, quickly, what does the call of service look like at CBC? Hey, Damien, could you teach Sunday school next week? Yeah, I think you could do that. Good. That's what the call of service looks like. There's certain things that require more specific gifting. So I can't go to, uh, I'll pick on Courtney since I know. Hey, Courtney, can you play keyboard next Sunday? <laughs> no. If I do that, I'm going to go to Jeremy because I know Jeremy plays the keys. 
So there's certain gifting that you know certain roles need. There's a lot though of general needs. If someone is able-bodied and can make coffee, I can ask, hey, can I make? Could you make coffee next Sunday morning? Uh, I've never made coffee at the church. I don't know how the coffee pots work. Well, we can show you how. Okay. This is the, that's, the, that's what a call to, to ministry within the church looks like. I think we, we overthink it a lot. To use the old, uh, the old uh, analogy that's been overused so much, but it's still so good. You, know, you think of the, the, the call of uh, salvation, or the, the picture is you have a guy up on his roof because it's flooding, and he's praying for the Lord to save him. And a, a boat comes by. He says, "No, I'm praying. That I pray that the Lord will send send, send salvation. Will send someone to save me, but you know, not you." And the, so the boat, helicopter, whatever, all these things come by. It's like it's not what he had in his mind of what salvation from this rooftop looked like. And when he finally dies, like God, I prayed. And so God says, "I sent you the boat. I sent you the helicopter." We sometimes do that in church. Man, I, I just wanna I wanna serve the body. I just I, I need to find my my role and and how I and how I can help out. H- have you realized that we've asked you three or four times, whether it's been face to face or a general calling from the pulpit, that we need help? That's the call. So raise your hand, say yes, I'll do that. I've never done it before. I don't know how. Can you help me out? Yes, we'd love to help you out. We'd love to show you how. So that's how kind of the calling of, of the ministry at the, at the church works. Very, the last point says, we are just now past time, and I said I would, I would do this one. This one's more personal. Minister, we would ask you to minister to your pastors and elders. And I say this in this way. Treat us sometimes as an ordinary church member because we need the nourishment. We need the the spiritual strengthening that you all need as well. We are, in the analogy of sheep, we are just another sheep. We need your prayers we need you to say, as my example said earlier, Jeremy, you're acting the fool. You know, I'm going to come to Jeremy in a spirit of gentleness and reprove him. Don't ever let us as pastors not be sheep. As much as is possible for us to put ourselves in that position, we want you to step up and take us into that position as well in caring for us as you would your, your fellow brothers and sisters. We are not, as I, I, I think I actually wrote down, I am nothing special. I am another sheep who needs your care just as much as the person sitting next to you needs your care. Like a lot of times in church we can see, um, we hold the pastors on such a pedestal that we maybe see things, maybe this really speaking close to home, we see things and we don't 
mean, thank God they're the pastor, you know. No. We're called, we're called to a high calling, a high standard, then kind of a stricter judgment because we're called the shepherd, the flock. But again, we're sheep. Like Doug, I love how Doug said it. And even his motions. We're just sheep who get our head up and say, hey, we're supposed to go this way, guys. <laughs> we are just sheep. So care for us. Allow us to be part of the body. And I, and I think a good way of reproving us would be, you realize you're kind of holding yourself aloof. You're separating yourself from the rest of the flock. You're missing out on those ordinary means of grace that the rest of us are enjoying. Come on, come back in. That's my last point. Any quick questions before we close since we're just a little bit over time? Let me pray. And, uh, actually, Damien, would you mind praying? Yep. Father, thank you so much for your love and your grace, your kindness. Uh, you have lavished your love upon us. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and yet you have left us here to be the salt and light of the earth, to be the gospel, to hurting and broken world and that includes us as the body help us Father to remember to lift each other up in prayer and to encourage each other to sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to each other that remind us of your love and your grace and your kindness Father we are so grateful for what you've done bringing these these uh, different people together the common bond of your son. Um, Father, I pray that you would continue to grow us together, knit us together, uh, so that when your son returns, we will be with him, but we 